Greetings, welcome, hey y'all, into my peeps, suck passe. Welcome to Redefining Grief Podcast with Herdeen Mercier. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, certified grief recovery specialist, trainer, and speaker. I strongly believe in creating non judgmental spaces where broken hearts can be heard, action steps can be taken, making grief recovery the goal. I hope you got that. If not, press repeat. <laughs> in today's episode, I want to give you a front seat into my story as why I I happily take on this title of becoming the grief recovery expert, therapist, helping people through most difficult times in their life. I'm not just talking about the present, I'm talking about the past and it's crippling them from entering um, into the future fully emotionally healthy. So let me take it back. Just kind of follow me for a moment. I want to take it back to my childhood. I was probably like six or seven years old. I remember attending funeral services with my father, especially my family would go sometimes, sometimes my sister, but for the most part, typically it would be my dad and myself. I'm of Haitian descent. And I remember in the 80s, when you attended a funeral, it was emotionally impactful, which created this curiosity around death for me. Yeah, like I was saying, six or seven years old, typically in my mind, when I would attend a funeral service, I would just think, okay, here's a box of an individual that I once saw before. And now they're in this box, which is the casket. And their loved ones, friends, or even church members are now crying for them. And I'm just not like crying in a tissue cry. No, I'm talking about wailing um, and screaming, um, jumping up and down. And I've always remembered the individuals that would um, jump up and down. They typically had around two or three men guarding them because they were trying to possibly or get to the casket to the person that they love. They're going to miss. They're in shock. They're in disbelief about the situation. And what I recall as a six and seven year old is individuals talking to the person in the casket and saying things like, I love you. I'm sorry. Why? God, why us? Lord, I need you. Um, and then other times I would attend funerals and you can tell the tension between the family. Like you can feel it. They weren't sitting next to each other. They were, I even attended a funeral where a fight actually broke out because it was so emotionally taxing for yet my curious six-year-old, seven-year-old mind. And this went on for years. Um, at some point during the service, I would see loved ones tell the stories, um, laughing and remembering the good old times. And it always made me feel good because in telling those stories, I felt like that sadness had a breakthrough through the storytelling and, and creating that breakthrough. I learned lessons looking back and recalling about those moments of me attending these funerals. I remember even crying at some point because I was so touched. And sometimes I didn't know the individuals. Other times I did, but I knew it was something that I had to keep doing. Like I had to keep going back to the point I had my own uniform, believe it or not. 
in my head, I coined as the funeral outfit that I always would ask my mom to please prepare for me so that I can attend the funeral that I heard my my mom and dad discussing. And I would always in those, daddy, can I go with you, please? And he's always sometimes would be reluctant. And then sometimes he will take me. But the times that he wouldn't take me, I do recall like just bursting out in tears like you have to take me I need to attend this funeral and my friends would tease me when we were young but you're not coming to church this Saturday because you're going to a funeral (laughs) they were like girl you're gonna be like a mortician or something you're always attending like a funeral Um, What felt like to them, I was always attending, but I did go to a lot of funerals as a child. And one thing I do remember is every car ride with my dad, I would curiously ask, how did that person die? To which he would reply sometime, car accident, the person was sick, house fire. Interestingly enough, I passed out for the first time at the age of seven years old, attending a funeral of a woman and her grandkids who died in a house fire. I remember making a mental note never to play with matches. Not saying that's what happened to this family, but I didn't want to end up in a box or a casket. But to me as a child, like I said earlier, it was a box. I didn't want to end up in that box. And so I remember going to the church. The church was packed. It was a white church, really small, but it was packed by the time my dad and I had arrived. And once we arrived, I strongly remember standing up in the back of the church one minute and the next minute I'm coming awake to my dad calling me by my nickname, Didin. Deeding, deeding. And I eventually opened up my eyes and you can see that he was nervous, but relieved through laughter that I was okay. And at the time he told me the next time I think it's best you stay at home with your mom, but I'm a daddy's girls and I have my way of getting my ways, I should say at the time and dealing with my dad. What I want to say is it was in those moments of attending funerals, going to these services that I realized that death is real. Like I didn't know. I became curious. I wondered why, because I was creating a list of, oh, I, I got to make sure I don't do that. Got to be more vigilant. Got to watch out when my mom is driving. Cause you know, car accidents, that's how people die. But just think about it. I'm a child at this point. So what I found is that I was attending these funerals just to make a don't do list. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't do certain things, and you won't end up in this box. But that curiosity went on to, well, if I'm going to die, what do I have to do to live my best life? Like, how do I beat the grave? How do I live my best life today without feeling that I came to this earth and accomplish nothing. I've said all of this to say, if there is one thing that is guaranteed, just like Benjamin Franklin has said, is death and taxes. We will die and until we die, we're still gonna have to pay taxes. See, I hate everything about death. Saying goodbye to someone you love or a loved one saying goodbye to you. And those times where it happens so quick, you don't get to say goodbye. Like 
why is life like that? Those are my talks with God. And, you know, sometimes I get an answer back and get clarity. But at the end of the day, it still hurts. I remember saying to my teenager self, if we must die, what is required for us to live our best life? How can I beat death? I beat death by living my best life. I beat death by having genuine filled relationships who will even call me out so that I can remain focused on what the true goal is, living my best life. See, if I must die, I must reject the idea that life is perfect and the people in my life must be perfect. I had to learn to denounce that thought, which gives them room to remove the mask and live their life according to their way in their own unique way without my judgment. It's okay to have moments of sadness. Like it is vital at this point that I allow the emotions that I'm actually feeling work through them, whether it's through therapy, coaching, I'm seeing a pastor, tapping into my community, but dealing with the emotion that I am feeling instead of masking it through things like drugs, alcohol, sex, not being present. If I must beat death, I have decided that I will do everything in my power to deal with all the emotions. Because what I want you to realize at Redefining Grief um, podcast is that grief is normal. Those feelings that you feel when you've been hurt, those are real. And in order for you to attack tomorrow, you must have a way or find a way that icky stuff. Because to be honest, we have never been taught how to deal with those emotions. We have been robbed of that opportunity from childhood of how we deal with our emotions. You come home, you say, hey, had this bad day. Maybe they tell you, let's go out to eat. It'll be all better. Or you get older and you're like, you know, I really had a rough day today. And your friends are like, let's go get drinks. See, we have never really been taught how to deal with sadness, how to deal with rejection, embarrassment. It is my honor. But be be that person that says, I'm here for you. I am here for you. But we're going to do the work so that we can show up in life. Truth be told, everyone's grief journey is different. Just like a snowflake, just like your DNA, everyone's grief journey is different. Just like your social security number. I'm challenging you to pay attention. I am challenging you to stay woke about the grief because I strongly believe if you don't deal with the grief, the grief will deal with you. If you do not deal with the grief, the grief will deal with you. So let's focus on mending our broken hearts so that we can live the best life ever on this journey called life. You can join the movement by subscribing, rating, leaving a a review. Please leave a review. And like I always like to say, don't be stingy. Share this with a friend talk about it. I want to hear about your grief ahas in this episode. So you can find me on all social media handles at Herdeen Mercier. But where I like to play is Instagram. I welcome your chats, your DMs, any grief aha moment or any clarity you had in just listening to this episode. So 
Thank you for listening to Redefining Grief podcast with Herdeen Mercier. Remember, a life not perfect, but live is the gold.